With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Hey, for those of you who follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you may already know this, but for those of you who don't, we have merch. We have a brand new mug. It is blue on the inside, has the logo on the outside. Perfect for your morning coffee con leche or matcha tea or whatever it is you're into. We've got these canvas pouches that you can use to organize your bag, put in your headphones, your lipstick. And then we have these sticker sets that you can put wherever you want. I have mine on my laptop. I love it. My laptop feels so much cooler. We'd be so grateful if you headed over to latinatolatina.com slash shop. Check it out. Buy one for yourself, for your friend, for your favorite listener. And when you do, we'll throw in a free gift. So a little extra incentive for you there. Again, we love you. We love being able to do this for you. And creating a product at this level requires things like studio time, sound engineer. And so a little bit of support will really go a long way. Thank you so much. And remember, check out latinatolatina.com slash shop. I think identifying as straight is really weird for me. I feel completely capable of falling in love with whoever because I know I was even asked, oh, well, what's it like doing sex scenes with another woman? I'm like, they're really hot. Like, they're sexy people. Like, I, it wasn't really that difficult. Anyone who's binge-watched Vida knows Michelle Prada as type A Emma Hernandez. It was a series of pretty bold moves that led Michelle to that role. We'll talk about that along with things like sneaking champagne in your bag to award shows, and how Michelle, who grew up in a conservative Christian household, refuses to put labels on her sexuality, and the story she wants to tell as a writer and creator. Take me back to how you scored the audition for Vida. Well... After I made the decision that I was going to do film and TV, I wasn't going to be an actor that just did commercials and print and whatnot, I, so, <laughs> I tried to get an agent, and I couldn't, you know, I, I got told, oh, well, we have one ethnically ambiguous girl, like, you're really great, but 
why don't we wait till after pilot season? And if she doesn't book anything, then come back and we'll. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And then I did finally meet an agent that was like really great, but he was like, Let, let's just give it a shot and see how this goes. And I thought, well, if I was dating somebody and they went that way, be a little more enthusiasm. I'd be like, ah, I think I'm good. So I talked to my manager at the time, and uh, it was right after Moonlight had won the Oscar, and there was it. It really completely just shifted things inside of me in this way where I realized, wow, you know, the story of a neighborhood where I'm from is important and this can be seen. And it was so powerful for me to see that. It put that seed in my head that I wanted to get to do something that showed these neighborhoods in this way. So I didn't get get with the agent and decided, I spoke to with my manager and decided, hey, you know, why don't we just give it a year to see if I can book something and I can actually show up to these meetings with some credit, something that really feels like I'm not asking people to give me a favor. I want to show up and actually say, here, this is what I have. Can we work together? Are you excited about this? And he said, okay. I had gone on a commercial audition and when I show up, it was just like a page and a half of essentially a monologue and I'm crying and I'm thinking oh my gosh this is, must be a Zoloft commercial or something like what's going on but they won't tell me what it is <laughs> and they're like well you can head you know you can come back after lunch if you're not ready and it was Santa Monica so I was not doing that and I went into the audition cold and I booked it and it was a web series for Fear the Walking Dead and I didn't know you know at the time how that would change my life but it was a really interesting thing. It was the first time working on a set with Andrew Bernstein, Mike Mosley, Kelsey Scott. They were all much more established than I was, and I was really convinced that I was going to get fired because I'd never worked on a set like that before, and we did it, and it was really fun. It was two women of color in this Fear the Walking Dead universe, and uh, and what was the lesson there, that if you watched other people and learned from other people, you could find your way? Yeah, I I mean, I think it's it's a it's a combination of things. I think you have to find it within yourself. I think that that is the most simple and most profound thing that you spend your whole life trying to figure that out. And you also spend a few months thinking, oh, I got this. And then, you know, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I have this anymore. I felt really great a week ago. But also just show up. I could have just been, oh, I don't feel prepared. I don't, you know, whatever. So I did. And then a few months later, the series was nominated for an Emmy. And I was, me and Kelsey were the leads. And it was really cool. It was a Creative Arts Emmys. And I thought we were going to get seated all the way in the nosebleed seats because I'm like, it's a digital <laughs> series. And cut to me, third row, center. I had snuck in all this champagne because I was thinking we we're going to be in the nosebleed seats. And we're, you know, next to all of these people that I admire in the mix. And it was a bit surreal. And you made a ballsy introduction. Yes, I did. Uh, it didn't even feel ballsy at the time, which was... because of all the champagne, Michelle. Yeah, probably. Actually, yes. <laughs> now, this is the first time I'm thinking that that's probably true. Carmen Cuba, who is the casting director for Stranger Things, got up there and with her speech took that platform and really took advantage of it and talked about being an immigrant, being Peruvian, and really being really clear as I'm what immigrants look like. This is where we're at. And it was, it was very moving. I, it brought me to tears. And I uh, randomly, my date, Jesse Hill, had worked with one of the guys on Stranger Things, uh, 
for season two, and he we ran into him, so random, and he invited us to the after party, so we went, and Carmen was there, and I just went up to her and said, you know, I really appreciate what you said. It was really powerful, and it moved me, and thank you so much for using that because it makes me so proud. And uh, she complimented me on my outfit, <laughs> and that was that. And uh, the next day I got called in for Vida, and I did a self-tape, and it went to producers, and then I got to meet Tanya. And I remember when Vida was announced and just being so excited that a show like that was being made and hoping that maybe I could get on it in one way or another, but wasn't really sure if I was I was there yet. And right, and your path to getting the role was bumpy. I mean, they didn't bring you in originally for Emma. They brought me in for Lynn because I actually in life associate a lot more with Lynn's journey. Free spirit. Yeah, and then also just that shift of thinking, you know what, it's time to start a career and what do I want? Where's my self-worth in myself? And and finding that. I mean, I lived also, you know, for a few years traveling around on a tour bus with a boyfriend and, you know, just all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, I didn't get that. And then what I got called in for was for Cruise. And I remember reading this character and thinking, oh, this is so cool. And it was originally a recurring character that they bumped up to series regular. But I was so, so excited to get to portray a character like that that was intelligent, part of the community, queer, and just unapologetically herself. So I went in and I tested, which means I got up until the last few choices. And everybody was preparing me for it because I'd never... I wasn't, I was trying to book a few lines on a show to get credits, and that was my first test. So I, I did, I, I really thought that I was going to be super nervous, and I went in, and it was, it was great. It was so fun. Tanya created a really playful environment, and then I didn't get it. And I felt strike this. Strike two. <laughs> strike two. But the cool thing, because I was definitely feeling in a good place where I was really just, okay with it. There was something that I was so proud of being that far down the line and also being in that room. Because at the point when you get to the last few choices, I mean, you're considered good enough to get the role. They're just trying to figure out how you fit into the bigger scheme of the world. And part of the reason I didn't get it was because I looked too similar to the sisters. And then the opportunity arose and they're just thinking, well, well, actually... Maybe she could be one of the sisters. You know, it's interesting to me, though, because there is a parallel in your story and in Melissa's story, which is that both of you sort of took the opportunity beyond your acting in that room to make an impression. Yeah. To convey to Tanya how important to you what she was doing was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was prepped for the auditions and they say, you know, just go in there, do your job and be professional and walk out. And I totally understand why. Because nobody wants to kind of put across any type of desperation or like, you know, and yeah, just remember me. But I was about to walk out and I turned around and I said, you know, I know that maybe this isn't the most professional thing to do, but I can't walk out of this room without letting you know how proud I am to stand here. And we may work together on this project. We may not. uh, But if I never see you again, I, I need to need to express that. I called my manager afterwards, and he's like, you did what? <laughs> but I, I just knew that I couldn't. I, I, it, was, it was powerful even in that, in that space. Right. First time you read Emma, what did you think? Oh, well, the first time I read Emma was from the side of Lynn when I was auditioning for Lynn. 
And, you know, I, I had these ideas of who she was based off of from that point of view. And then when I was given her as my package and my responsibility, you know, she's not a very easy person to deal with. And it's funny because as you say, I'm more of a lid in my mind. I'm like, I'm more of an Emma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And and I think it was it was a challenge and it was a little bit scary. It was a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. She's and, a type A assertive personality in a world that is not kind to women who are type A assertive personality. No, and you all and also push you to if you want to succeed a lot of times to feel that you have to be that way, to not take any BS from anybody. Uh, but I don't know. We talk about just chances and the way that the stars align or whatever you want to call it. But I had started working with an acting coach, Marjorie Ballantyne, um, this amazing Cuban Latina from New York. She um, was Stella Adler's protege. And I, I went in and I was a little scared to be back in acting class because it's it can get a little intense and a little weird. And she had been pushing me because I've been doing privates with her. And she said, just come into my class. We can work out. We can do some stuff. So I did, and I said, I want you to give me the things you think I'm not good at. I just I want to be able to fail, and I want you to really work me out in that way. And the specific things that I had been working on were the specific things that Emma needed. Mm-hmm. And it was about three months. I was in class with her for three months before I got the job, and it was a lot about standing in a room and not apologizing for your space and just really also being able to sometimes say something really vile and not pull back a little bit. Are you sure it wasn't therapy, secretly masked as an acting <laughs> no, class? No, I mean, that's that's what acting class okay. essentially How is. How soon can I go? I know, right? <laughs> She's amazing. Tell me about booking jobs before the success of Vida. I had a friend of mine, uh, Clifton Collins Jr., I remember we were sitting in his backyard once, and he's like, I think you need to just do this. He's like, this is something that well, you need to go go full force with. And What was holding you back at that point from doing confidence. that? Confidence. Yeah. I, I really didn't think that I had the strength to continue forward and also just to put yourself out there. This town really does a really good job of disrespecting actors you have to really find that strength within yourself because it isn't until you book something that all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, yeah. But then they're like, but what's the next thing? Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that was that. And and I don't want to say that all of a sudden I got all this confidence and I went forward. I just went forward. And I realized that the desire to do it was enough. I didn't need every single thing propping me up. And in a weird way, though, everything kind of was. I remember I was at a Mexican restaurant when I first came out here and there was an agent that was with a pretty well-established cool agency that was like, hey, are you an actor? And I was like, oh, no, not me. I mean, I do it for fun. And he's like, well, here's my card. Send me your stuff. I really feel like I can work with you. And, and I just didn't. And things like that happened a few times where you got the dream story. Wait, but dig into it for me. I mean, you think it was because you didn't know people who were actors, because you didn't want to deal with the rejection? Like, what was... The- I think it was really... I didn't understand the idea of just finding that validation and that courage within yourself to go forward. I also didn't really see anybody around me where I grew up doing what I was doing. So it definitely felt like this thing that I 
love to do and that maybe I could do. But even when presented with these incredible opportunities, it was still something that I was like, oh, no, but not me, like not me. And then gathering that together and thinking, you know what? Yeah, like, why not me? You know, who who does she think she is? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go forward. And I always had this idea that artists, which feels so silly now because now I know so many actors and musicians and painters and all that stuff, but that you just came forward with this amazing strength of self-worth and you just showed up and you did your thing and that, that's what made you capable of succeeding. And I didn't realize that you kind of bring it all on the bus with you. You're like the self-doubt, the egomania, the the joys and the successes. You're just like, all right, guys, we're all getting on this bus. Get in here. So we're, and we're going this way. So, I mean, we may only make it a few blocks. We're definitely heading in that direction. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, if it's time to upgrade your bra, then you should check out Lively. They offer bra styles for all different body types, available in 32A to 44 D. They've got bralettes, t-shirt bras, no-wire bras, and so much more. For a limited time, you can get $10 off your first order by visiting wearlively.com slash latina. That's W-E-A-R-L-I-V-E-L-Y dot com slash Latina with the promo code LATINA, only available in the U.S. 
The Lively bras I ordered were stylish and really comfortable. They're made of soft fabrics that you'll actually want to wear all day. The website is easy to navigate, and as you know, I love trying things on at home. Their how to measure guide is on point and makes the process really easy. Lively is creating products that we all thought were impossible, like their no-wire strapless bra or best-selling busty bralettes, both of which quickly sold out and had thousands on back order. Plus, they have free and easy returns using the prepaid shipping label included in every package. And when you refer a friend, for every friend that signs up for Lively and makes a purchase, you receive 100 points. That's $10. So head to wearlively.com Latina. That's W-E-A-R L-I-V-E-L-Y dot com slash Latina with promo code Latina. Only available in the U.S. When I had Melissa on the podcast, Melissa Barrero, who plays your sister on the show, she talked about how the nudity mandate, which was made clear to you guys when you got the rules, originally sort of was off-putting for her. She had mm-hmm. reservations about it. How did you feel about the fact that you were going to have to be nude on the show? I did I always felt that I would do nudity for the right project um, and for art. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't I, I actually had gotten offered a part on a movie that was kind of a bigger movie, but I was going to have to be it was a, I was a butt of a joke and I was going to be the girl on the webcam topless. And I said, no, you know, I said, you know, I don't have a problem with nudity, but it is something that I, you know, I want to make sure it's for the right thing. And I knew that Vila would be a project like that. It's exposing, but it wasn't anything that I was that I was completely just turned away from. There's then a question I have, which is: You grew up as a conservative Christian. Oh yeah. What was the journey from that conservative Christian upbringing to being on a show that celebrates and explores sexuality? I don't know. Sometimes I look <laughs> back and I'm just like, how did I start there and come here? Uh, but I, I mean, I grew up in Miami and Hialeah and. My high school was very queer. It wasn't uh, anything that made you ostracized or otherwise. I mean, it just was what it was. And I think in a weird way, that was kind of a blessing because even though I had this upbringing in church, I was really involved. I was doing plays and just really, uh, you know, in the little drama club at church. But also I was doing theater in high school too. So I was just exposed to a lot of that. And and I honestly, I don't know. I think back on it. It's just for me, I I look at just what's in front of you and you just decide, does do I feel comfortable with this or do I not? And then you kind of go forward. I, I also realized I had this conversation with my mom about that. And I realized that I was just, it wasn't something that I felt ashamed of with her. I just thought, you know what, this is this is what's going to happen. If you don't want to watch it, I totally understand, but I'm letting you know that this is what's going on. And what did she say? She said, well, you know, at least you're playing a character. And I said, no, Mom, I'm actually playing a, a part of myself. I mean, I don't completely just take this other person. Like, my characters are part of me. So if it's difficult, I understand you have every right to feel the way that you feel, but I'm just letting you know. This is an indelicate way to ask this question, but I've read about boyfriends. Yeah. So do you identify as straight? I don't. I think identifying as straight is really weird for me. I feel completely capable of falling in love with whoever makes sense. And I've always felt that way. I have been in a really long relationship, so I think that kind of hinders the ability to explore other avenues. But 
I, I just I feel completely open to whatever whatever life brings. I mean, because I know I was even asked, oh, well, what's it like doing sex scenes with another woman? I'm like, they're really hot. Like, they're sexy <laughs> people. Like, I, it wasn't really that difficult. You know, it, it just wasn't anything that really feels like it's pushing that boundaries. And actually, one of the lines that Emma says is, I don't identify as anything, I'm just me, that really resonates. I just want to fall in love with whoever I fall in love with, and I don't want it to be something that that I have to represent through other people's experiences because I never had that issue with my mom, you know, feeling like she was going to not accept me because we did have that discussion and I did tell her that and she was like, oh, okay, or oh, whatever. And But my sister, who is has been in relationships with women for the last 10 years, I mean, she feels the same way too. She, she tells people, I tell people I'm a lesbian because it makes it easier for them to understand because chances are I will be in relationships with women. But... When I'm single, I could really just be with whoever. But I use the word lesbian more because it's easier for other people. But literally, that's a line that she said as well. I don't identify as anything. I'm just me. And it's something that I think we both really resonate with. We want to tell you about a podcast we think you'll like, TED en Español. In each episode, thought leaders from across the Spanish-speaking world take the TED or TEDx stage to explore the big ideas and questions of our time. Like, what is the connection between math and love? Can we apply the rules from the games of chess to winning in our lives? Or can entrepreneurs lead us to improving education and health for the entire world? The weekly podcast features talks exclusively in Spanish and is hosted by the curator of TED en Español, Jerry Garbolski. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. TED en Español. Ideas en nuestro idioma. Mom's Dominican. Yeah. Dad's side is Puerto Rican, some Mexican. Puerto Rican. It's my biological father, who I don't know. Um, yeah, Puerto Rican, Mexican, and French. And I just got my Ancestry.com back. No surprises? Yes. Well, not really, but kind of. Uh, my biggest chunk, which I believe is 22%, is Portuguese, which isn't uncommon for the Caribbean, but I had no idea. And then there's French as well, uh, which I knew. But then I always feel like, you know, especially because I don't know my dad, I'm like, oh, were my parents making that up? Or, you know, you never know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, the Ancestry says that I have a lot of... Um, also Native American, Central America, which makes sense with the Mexican. And then a, like 3% of Andean Native American, 20% African, uh, mostly Mali and Ivory Coast. And then 3% Eastern Jew, 5% Scottish English. <laughs> like you said, the Caribbean. Like, I'm like, well, what are we doing down there? I feel like the rest of the world should just take a, take a note from there and let's all just make love until we all turn brown. In addition to all of your acting, you also write. Yes. Tell me what you're working on now. Oh, man, I have a script that I am just trying to finish polishing that will hopefully, as soon as we're done with this press cycle, be able to finish because it's been, you know, a lot of stop and start with the show being such an important thing. And I just look at people like, you know, Donald Glover or Jessica Alba or whoever. And they don't sleep. I'm just like, uh, oh, no, okay. They're I need, vampires. I need to sleep less. Yeah, because I'm just like, how do you do this? But I realize... From season one to season two, I feel a little bit more comfortable and I feel a little bit more capable because I'm not, I just wasn't used to having to be asked so many things and to have to put out all this output. But yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that I can finish that up. And I just have a few things that I'm really looking to just pitch and, and get made. And 
I actually wrote a pilot that was similar to Viva that took place in Highland Park and wrote a character that was gender fluid and queer for myself. And when Vida was announced, I stopped because, well, I'd written it. And I was like, you know what? I just want to see what something like this looks like. And I wrote it with a friend of mine, Mar Marcela Ochoa. And we saw Vida announced. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, someone's already making something like this. We're good. <laughs> That's a generous energy of yours instead of I know. Of being I need like... to not. I, and now, I'm, well, now there's something also, nobody ever says that about buddy cop movies or like a right. procedural. Well, there's already a procedural. So I think that that's also something for us to be mindful of, of thinking, oh, it's not, oh, there's already one show like that. That's enough. And I think being part of Vida has really made that a much more poignant reality for me of thinking, you know what, it's fine. And there's enough space for all of us because the more we are holding our arms together and stretching out that space, it's not, oh, I'm the one that got the series made or I'm the one that got this script sold or whatever. It's, well, if I'm doing it, I'm going to help you with my contacts so that maybe you can do it too and we're all going to be doing it together and, and then just making more roles and space for us. Michelle, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co-created with Bustle. Now the podcast is owned and executive produced by Juleka Lentigua-Williams and me. Maria Muriel was the sound designer on this episode. We want to hear from you. Tell us who you want to hear from and how you're making the show a part of your life. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.